I'm going to talk about walking free from the hounding voice of your past. Walking free from the hounding voice of your past. You know, um, really, we're going to be talking about righteousness. We're going to be talking about uh, no condemnation. Uh, just, just being free from a sense of guilt and shame and unworthiness and being beat up by the devil in your prayer life. When you go to God to pray, the devil comes with thoughts of who do you think you are? You've missed it so many times. Um, Christians, and, and I'm a Christian, so I can say this, I know. <laughs> Christians, one of the greatest need is, is uh, just being aware, not, not just doctrinally saying, yes, I believe this, but having an awareness. I mean the kind of awareness that lives so big on the inside of you, nothing else can get on the inside of you. And that is that I'm forgiven. Yes. That's right. That's right. I don't have a past. Amen. Man, oh man. Uh, there's much more to the gospel than just forgiveness. There's, there's the brand new creation. There's, there's uh, you know, the life of God has come into our spirits. There's so much to the gospel, but it does include forgiveness. Yeah. And really, even, I know it's even more than that. The Bible doesn't just talk about forgiveness. This talks about our sin being remitted. Yes. Or that's another way of saying espunged from the record. Yes. If they go and pull up your record... Uh, down at the courthouse, they might find something on there. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, but if it gets a sponge, yeah. something gets a sponge from the record, they can't even pull it up and find it. So, so uh, that's what God has done for us. He has no remembrance of our past. But let me tell you something. When you did what you did in the past, which is under the blood, right? Uh, and God forgot it and so forth and so on. The devil was there when you did it and he was running his video camera. You know what I'm talking about? Brrr, I'm catching this on camera, man. And you know what he does? He tries to run reruns in your mind. He's saying, you remember, you go to prayer. He go, you remember what you did? And he'll say, I'm going to push play. Let's watch this. And he'll bring back the scene. He'll show you all over again and try to hold you. The re What's he doing that for? He's trying to hold you in condemnation. Yep. He's trying to lie to you and tell you that you're not worthy to receive from God. And he's trying to keep you from exercising faith. Amen. Listen to me very carefully. One of the greatest enemies of faith, which is how we live, the just live by faith. One of the greatest enemies of faith is condemnation. And more people deal with this than when it comes to uh, prayer and receiving from God. More people deal with this as an issue than any other thing. Yeah. Unforgiveness, yeah. Uh, meaning a sense of unforgiveness. Yeah. Uh, the devil, the Bible says that he, well, there's, there's so much in the Bible about this. But uh, remember Isaiah 43, for example, 25, 26. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions and will not remember thy sins. <laughs> Then he said, put me in remembrance of my word, you know. Yes. And uh, he said, I will not remember thy sins and iniquities anymore. Let's go to start. Let's go over to Hebrews chapter number uh, 10. I didn't plan to start here, but uh, let's, let's just go to Hebrews chapter number 10. Uh, I want to warn you, you could get free tonight. <laughs> you could. 
you could leave here drastically changed. Why would you say could? Because if you'll receive this and hear this and let the Lord minister it to you, you will. You will. Now, this is Hebrews chapter number 10. We're familiar with this. But uh, let's just start reading in verse number 17. He said, their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. He's talking, this is actually out of the Old Testament, but he's talking about us in the New Testament. Their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. Now where remission, remember we were talking about something being remitted? Where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Your sins have been remitted. When you received Jesus, your sins were remitted. They were canceled. They were expunged. They were... This is a human way of saying it, but I think you could understand a little bit better. God just basically erased the ink. I mean, it's it's no more on the record. You don't have a past. Sitting right here today, you don't have a past. We we were we were born new creations. And and when a baby's born, you know, in the church family, so a family has a baby, a natural baby. You don't look at that baby and say. My, that baby has such a bad past. Yeah. And no, it's, it's, it doesn't have a past. Yeah. And you as a new creation don't have a past. Yeah. It's gone. Yeah. And, uh, but the enemy will just hound you about things in the past. Yeah. And because you have a memory of it, because of, you know, whatever we did in the past, we were there. <laughs> Was anyone there when you did what you did in the past? Yeah, we were all there. But the enemy wants to keep that in your remembrance when God wants you to forget because he forgot. Him forgetting authorizes you to forget it. And when I say forget it, I'm not just talking about forget it. I'm talking about forgiving yourself. You know what I'm talking about? That the, the, the God's, there's no condemnation in Christ. The enemy will beat you up with condemnation, though, and you will grab the hammer that he's using to hit you yourself on the head, and, and you will grab the hammer and say, well, let me help you, Satan, and Satan will, Satan will do it. You'll do it to yourself. Um, this verse says where remission of sins, there's, there's no more offering for sin. <clears throat> Can I just go ahead and preach this tonight? Yes, Amen. No more offering. No more offering. Now, let me tell you an offering people try to make for sins of the past. The offering of feeling guilty forever and ever. You know what I mean by that? Just, just living, you know, trying to show God you're sorry by walking around with your head down, feeling guilty and listening to the lies of the enemy to just show God I'm really sorry. Well, you know what that is? That's an offering for sin. And God does not, that does not please God. I said, that does not please God. I said, it does not please God. That's saying, Jesus, your blood was not a good enough offering. That's what that's saying. And uh, I know we don't think about it that way, but that's really what we're saying to God or saying to Jesus. So there's no more, where the remission of sin, there's no more offering for sin. Now look at verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. Having therefore, 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 verse 17. Having therefore, brethren, boldness. 
What, what, what boldness to do what? To enter into the holiest. The holiest by the blood of Christ or Jesus. Hallelujah. So what do we get out of this? What do we get out of remission of sins? What do we get out of the blood? What do we get out of what Jesus did on the cross? We get boldness. No more sh shrinking back from the presence of God and doing without because of unworthiness. Now, righteousness is God treating you as if sin never existed. If, if sin never existed, if, sin, if you had no consciousness of sin, how would you act? How would you act in the presence of God? That's the way you and I are to act in the presence of God. We're to be, what would that do? It would give us boldness in the presence of God. It would change our prayer life. It would change the, our approach to circumstances. We wouldn't approach them like we're defeated. We'd approach them like we are, we are victorious over them. It would change so much. And we're going to look at some of this tonight. We're going to look at righteousness. And uh, because the Bible said, you know this, 2 Corinthians chapter number 5, verse number 17, verse number 21, God, God made Jesus sin. To be, uh, he made him to be our sin, you know, for us who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin, but he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness. Say it, say it out loud. The righteousness of God in Christ. The righteousness. Now, can you get, can you get a higher righteousness? Is there a higher righteousness in the universe than the righteousness of God? No, sir. What about your praying grandma? She was holy, righteous, and you know, she's all that. I mean, whoo, that's high. Well, God's righteousness is way above that. Yes. And God made you and I the righteousness of God yes. in Christ. Oh, I know I, I, I can't be the righteousness of God. I know where I've missed it. Well, somebody's lying about it then. Somebody, God said you're the righteousness of God. And you say, I'm not. I think I'm going to go with God. I'm going to agree with God. I remember when I first started hearing this message, I'm like, no, not me. Not Jay Eberly. <laughs> but I had to say, God said I am. Now you realize that's the new man on the inside. That's who he's talking about. Now, have any of us uh, done anything since we've been saved and, and maybe done something that wasn't righteous? Sure. But well, what does 1 John 1, 9 say? If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to cleanse, uh, forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all. Huh? There it is. There it is. Cleanse us from all. all what? All unrighteousness. Does all mean all? Yes. Maybe we ought to look that up in the dictionary. Does that mean all? Yes. Cleanse us from all. I don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to preach myself happy tonight. <laughs> Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, we've got to just believe the Bible. And so what is, what is righteousness? Righteousness means the ability to stand in God's presence as if sin never existed. It's, 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 in other words, we're right with God. Right with Him. Accepted in His presence. And so, boy, there's so much we could... Uh, we could say about this, but go over to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, and uh, let's look at something here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, 
I'm saying that by faith because I think that's where it is. 1 Corinthians 15, look at verse, let's see here. I believe, let's see here. Uh, is that the verse? Is that the verse? Yep, verse 34. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Look at this verse. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth. He said, awake to righteousness. Awake to it. Notice that. And sin not. Some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. In other words, some don't, don't have the knowledge of righteousness. Um, notice he didn't say to the church at Corinth, stop sinning and be righteous. He didn't say they weren't righteous. He said, wake up to righteousness. In other words, they were something that they were not awake to. A man can be, through the new birth, be born again and be made the righteousness of God, but he's sleeping to the truth of that reality. He's not aware of it. He's not, he's not conscious of it. What I'm going to emphasize tonight and, and talk about is righteousness consciousness. Paul is not telling them here to become righteous. They've already been made the righteousness of God. He already wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter number 5 that he said that. But he's telling them here, wake up to the truth that you are the righteousness of God. A man can be sleeping in a room and you go in there and, and uh, do something in the room, maybe, maybe take something out of the room or something like that, and he's not aware of it because he's asleep, right? And Paul's saying to the church at Corinth, wake up to the, right, to the realities, you might say, to the awareness of what you are, who you are. Now, how do you do that? You do it through meditating in the righteousness scriptures, the truth of God's word along this line. And so we're going to do that some here tonight. Now, um, there is a voice of condemnation. You remember the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 10, there's many voices in the world. There is a voice of condemnation that comes to every believer and tells them, uh, it speaks accusations to them. Remember Revelation 12, 11 talks about the accuser of the brother and accuses them before our God night and day. There's an accusative voice that comes to every believer. And it's, it's really, I mean, you know, you, you wanna, you wanna, sometimes maybe people don't get like it this plain, but it's really a demon spirit. That doesn't mean the person that heard the voice is demon possessed. I just mean that that spirit out here in the atmosphere will tell Christians, and he works overtime on this, he'll tell them that they're not right, that, that they, he'll, he'll try to make them feel a sense of unworthiness or guilt. He'll put feelings on their flesh. He'll put thoughts of unworthiness in their mind. You understand? And what's he doing? He's, he's the accuser of the brethren, and he's trying to hold them in a place where their faith doesn't work. They have no confidence before God. And so what we want to learn to do is how to answer that voice. Jesus in the wilderness, well, in the temptation there in the wilderness in Luke 4, Satan came to him with certain things, with temptations, and he kept answering and saying to it. So we want to, how do we, how do we uh, deal with this past, 
You know, the condemnations over things of the past. And how do we answer this, this condemnation? We have to have enough word in us about righteousness to be able to counteract the thoughts and accusations of the enemy. And we've got to hear that and hear that word and hear that word and get the the lies of the enemy washed out of us and the truth of God's word built into us. Amen. And uh, and, uh, I'm telling you, there's more connected to this than most believers realize. Inferiority complexes are connected to this. A sense of... uh, a sense of shame is connected to this. A sense of, uh, you know, others can be blessed, but I've made so many mistakes, I can't be blessed. That's connected to that. Insecurities of all kinds. Yeah, yeah. Not uh, uh, having, uh, in the presence of important people or well-known people or something, having a sense of, you know, being less than comes out of a, not being established in righteousness. Uh, just a whole bunch of things. I know people, I've pastored for years, I know people who have sabotaged, the, the, the blessings of God were starting to work in their life, and they did something on purpose to sabotage it, to stop it, and I said, Lord, why did they do that? Why did they, and they, and they ruined all, this, all the things God was doing for them. And I said, why did they do that? And the Lord spoke to him, and he said, they didn't feel worthy of it. And, and listen, there's things that happen that are just based in uh, unworthiness. Amen. Somebody said, I'm not worthy to be blessed. Who said that? Who said that? Where'd that thought come from? Not from God. Amen. Oh, I can tell we need to work with this a little bit. When it comes to fellowship with your father... God is your father. When it comes to receiving all that the father has, when it comes to being free from your past, when it comes to being useful to God, you're going to have to choose, you're going to have to choose which voice you're going to listen to. You're going to listen to the voice of accusation or you're going to listen to the voice of righteousness. There's really no man that can stand boldly in the presence of God and exercise his faith if he's listening to the voice of condemnation. It's the greatest enemy of faith that there is. Amen? It'll just beat your faith up. Condemnation will beat your faith up. It'll, it'll sort of pull the rug out from under you. You understand what I'm talking about? So uh, the apostle Paul said in Philippians 3, you know, starts around verse 10 down through there, 14, 10 through 14, something like that. He talks about this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are in front of me. I press towards the mark, so forth and so on. Notice none of that, none of that reaching, none of that pressing, none of that obtaining the high calling, none of that could happen until he did the first thing. And that was forgetting those things which are behind. Now you can look at that and say, I wonder what he was talking about. Well, let me tell you what he was talking about. He had killed Christians. Paul was a murderer. He went around killing Christians and persecuting Christians. If anybody had anything to forget, Paul had some things to forget. You know? And so he's... uh, 
He's uh, got, and God called him, you know, the vision he had and Jesus appeared to him and, and God called him and he's got an assignment and he said, in order to do all of that and reach for that and attain it and reach the high calling and everything, he said, I realized the first thing I had to do was forget what, what was behind. You know why? You know, you know, condemnation deals with the things of the past. It doesn't deal with the things that are ahead. You're not dealing with condemnation about things that are coming. You're dealing with condemnation about things that have already happened. Isn't that right? But if you don't deal with the condemnation over the things of the past, it'll keep you from, from fulfilling what God has for you in the future. That's why we've got to address this. All of us in our lives have to address this. Amen. If we don't forget it, even if we have been forgiven, yet if we're still beating ourselves up, we're still listening to the enemy's lies, and we're still taking those thoughts, the, we're still not going to attain to what God has for us. Right. Everybody say, I'm going to forget it. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. There's some things that some of us I need to forget. Um, so forgiving yourself is included. Uh, uh, part of forgiving yourself is forgetting it. Right. Yeah. Your past is worthy of one thing. Of course, getting it under the blood. You understand. We're talking about getting it under the blood. But I'm talking about after you get it under the blood, the devil will hound you about it. One thing it's worthy of, and that's forgetting. Yes. If God forgot it, it's okay for you to forget it. Yes. Praise the Lord. And so uh, failures and past sins are worthy of only one thing. Now, Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 10, we just looked at Hebrews 10, but Hebrews 4 some of the sa says some of the th same things. It talks about the mediator we have who is a merciful high priest. Uh, and and uh, I'm talking about the fourth chapter of Hebrews there. It talks about him and, and, and uh, having that mediator there and so forth. He's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Yes. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Then it said, having, uh, we can come therefore boldly. Right. We can come therefore boldly. Um, there's someone in heaven mediating between you and God. His name is Jesus. He has been tempted with everything you've been tempted with. He never sinned, he never failed, but he knows what it's like to be under the temptation and the pressure. And you know what that means? He can have compassion on you. So he's not sitting up there with a big stick. He's sitting up there with compassion and mercy. Hallelujah. Praise God. And he's willing to apply, and he actually has through, the, through the, the actual transaction of redemption, he's willing to apply everything that he did. He, he never failed. And he's willing to apply all that to your account as if you never failed. And he wants you to accept that. Part of it is forgiving yourself. Praise the Lord. Now, um, the blood of Jesus was shed to eradicate all unworthiness. Yes. <laughs> You're not even ready to pray until you deal with this. I mean, successfully. You know what I mean? Now, um, so Paul, Paul had some things to forget. And if Paul can forget it, you can forget it. One thing to do to forget it is quit talking about it. 
quit bringing it up. Quit saying, you know, I remember back there, I failed so many, Lord, and, and talking to God about it. I've done that before, and I, had, I literally had him tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. I thought I was a word man until he said that, and I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> right? So uh, Romans 5.17 says something here. Let's look at this, Romans 5.17. Those that have received the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, look what they do. They reign in life by one, Christ Jesus. Notice there's a connection in the Bible between righteousness and reigning. R-E-I-G-N, reigning. Reigning like a king, most all other translations say. There's a connection. God connects those two. And so what, what we're especially zeroing in on tonight is not the actual experience of being made the righteousness of God because that happened whether you knew it or not. If, when, if, when a man's born again, I'm talking about. But we're not so focused on that tonight as we are focused on something that's stated in Isaiah 54. Go with me to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54, I really would like you to turn to this. This is one of the main scriptures we want to look at tonight. Hallelujah. Take this, take this in. Open, let your spirit open up like a flower in the sunshine and just drink this in. You know what it's like to be beat up by the devil. I mean, uh, and let, let God minister to you. Get that, take this and just begin to work with you with it. Look at Isaiah 54. I'm going to wait and let, give you time to get there because I want you to see it in your Bible. I want you to be able to mark it and don't ever forget this. Isaiah 54, verse number 14. In righteousness, this is really a prophecy about today. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Look at that. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Now, what does that mean in righteousness you'll be established? He's talking about getting this truth in you to where you're aware of it and you're established in the, the truth of righteousness. Uh, the Bible says in 1 Timothy, it says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for instruction, for correction and instruction in righteousness. Look at that. Instruction in righteousness. Yes, that includes the way we live, but it's, it's mostly talking about, because of the way Paul said to the Corinthian church, awake to righteousness and sin not. If you're going to live without sin and be victorious over sin, getting the truth of that you are made the righteousness of God established in you is a big part of that. Yes. So uh, established in righteousness is having our minds renewed with it to where when Satan comes with lying thoughts or feelings to try to tell us you're not, you're not worthy of this blessing or that blessing or something like that, you have the word of God in you big enough to rise up like Jesus did in Luke 4 and say, it is written and answer that. Oh, there's a big word right there. You and I have got to learn to answer condemnation. Take the word and say, no, it is written. Just like Jesus did in Luke 4. No, it is written. You know what this really is? It's the good fight of faith. 
Paul said, fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith doesn't mean you're fighting the devil. It means you're taking the truth and answering his lies. You're answering when he says you're not worthy and so forth and so on. Praise the Lord. I know this is simple, but it's what I had in my heart tonight. Isaiah 54, 14, uh, in righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression. Look at that. He's talking about mental torment here. Far from oppression. Thou shalt not fear. That's another thing that torments people's minds. And from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Wow. Okay. Now, I jumped quickly from Romans 5 to this because I wanted you to see this. When he said over there in Romans 5, he connected righteousness to, to reigning in life. They that receive abundance of grace, gift of righteousness, they reign in life. They reign in life. He connected righteousness to reigning. This verse brings out more than just being made righteousness. It talks about being established in the truth of the righteousness you have been made. We're talking about rewriting the program in our minds. When God made us the righteousness of God, that happened in our spirit, man. But the mind still has memory of the past. And what he wants us to do, like Ephesians 5 talks about, wash us with the water of the word. Wash our thinking. Wash old feelings of thoughts of condemnation and guilt and unworthiness and not being able to be blessed because, you know, we've failed so many times. I know people that have been in the body of Christ divorced a number of times. And the devil just beats them up about it. The blood's more powerful than your past. I'm telling you, it's much more powerful. You get a hold of the truth of God's word, that won't work. The, the devil won't be able to use that against you anymore. Yeah, but somebody said, but I miss it so many times. That's what you needed a Savior for. That's what you needed a Savior for. Listen, the blessings of God are not for perfect people. If they are, none of us in this room are going to have any blessings. You got to get over yourself. (laughs) Amen. I mean, I'm not trying to minimize sin. I'm not trying to make excuses for sin. But I found out people don't ask for them anyway. So, but I'm just, I'm just simply saying, hey, welcome. Somebody said I missed it. I usually say, welcome to the human race. I'm not trying to say it's not, sin is not something we should be, uh, you know, tolerant toward or anything like that. But have any of us ever missed it? Yeah. Is there a remedy for that? Yeah. Is that the end of the world? No. Is that the end of the blessings of God? No. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going to get through this. We're going to get through the lies of the enemy. So when it says you'll reign, those that receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, they'll reign in life, especially when you know you're the righteousness of God, when you're established in it like Isaiah 54 says. So to reign over the voice of condemnation, you've got to be established in the truth of righteousness. Remember what First Timothy said? The word is given for, to, to uh, uh, instruct us in righteousness. Your spirit man, your, your mind needs an education in the word of God concerning right standing with God. It, it just needs an education. 
Amen. It's not going to happen. This, this instruction in righteousness, this schooling in righteousness, to where you and I become righteousness conscious. Rather than sin conscious, yes. you follow what I'm saying? We're, we're conscious of the righteousness of God rather than, you know, walking around with a dark cloud over our heads. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're conscious of all our past and our feelings and our, and our failures and stuff. Uh, being instructed, that, that only happens, that, that I'm talking about that sense of worthiness, only happens through renewing our minds and getting our spirits educated in it like, like 1 Timothy talks about yes. Praise the Lord. And, and where do you get the education? The Word of God is the education. It's the, it's the, it's the knowledge that, that God wants us to have. All right. So there's no other way to reign over this accusing voice and these feelings of guilt and so forth and so other than, than the Word of righteousness. Uh, you cannot afford to sit in a place where they, they make you feel like you, you've missed it so many times. You've missed it so many times. And, and, and all you're aware of when you go there is they just keep telling you how much you've missed it, how much you've missed it. That might be, that might be something that happened in history, but through the blood, that's not who you are. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, so getting this message on the inside of you, remember that, for example, the Bible says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Yes. Just apply that to this. Let the truth of righteousness yes. dwell in you richly. Yes. Uh, richly means, I mean, it's just you keep pouring it in until it's flowing over everywhere. Yes. It's, it's coming out your, your mouth. It's, it's full. It fills your thoughts. It, uh, it just dominates the, the way you approach God, it dominates you, you, the way you approach demons and circumstances rather than feeling unworthy like a worm, like I'm such a, I'm such a failure and, you know, God's doing this to me to punish me and all those things. You answer all those things with, with the truth of God's word. Amen. I'm just saying the same thing many times over and over again, just to say it, just so we get it. Yes. And so we've got to sort of, you know, in one sense of the way, we've got to rewrite the program. God recreated our spirits and made us the righteousness of God. But you can be made something that you're not aware of, according to what Paul said to the church of Corinth. But if you re-educate your thinking and your mindset and your mentality to righteousness, uh, let me just say this. Some people's whole personality was formed by condemnation. Yeah. And they think they're just shy or bashful or quiet or something like that because that's their personality. Now, I'm not saying some people aren't that way. But I'm saying some people are, are not bold, not, not, not strong in faith, not, not uh, you know, forward about receiving from God and so forth or interacting with other people just simply because their personality was formed by condemnation. I'll just tell you for myself, my whole personality has changed because of the Word of God. Really? Yeah, I'm a different person. Totally different person. Let me give you an illustration. I used to feel bad if somebody didn't like me. Feel bad for myself. Now I feel bad for them. <laughs> Genuinely. You think, that, you think, well, that old preacher, he, he's arrogant. No, I've got the truth of how much of a blessing God has made me. And that's not just true of me. It's true of you too. You're a blessing. Somebody doesn't like me, they're missing a great blessing. <laughs> How arrogant of you. No, I'm talking about what Jesus did, who, who He made me. 
Glory be to God. Praise the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, he's talking about you. You're a great big blessing. Hallelujah. Amen. Husbands and wives need to hear that from one another, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Until your mind and your mentality and things like that are, are educated and re, reprogrammed, so to speak, with the mind of God and think like God, uh, then you by default, you're going to go back to condemnation because there's no medium ground. You know what I'm talking about? No medium ground. And so um, your past is not to be affecting your present. Your past is not to be affecting your present. Anything in the present. Uh, you may historically remember some things that happened, but it's not to affect the way you act today. It's not to... Um, let me, let me give you an illustration that, that God used to, to, I mean, I already had this truth, but he gave me an illustration to, to kind of, you know, drive this truth home. Uh, way back in the 80s, if anybody was, some of us were alive in the 80s. Um, but, uh, there, you know, we've had all many presidents over the years. And I don't know if you remember in the 80s. I don't remember which year it was. But Ronald Reagan was our president. And he was shot. The man, a man tried to kill him. You remember that assassination attempt? Well, um, I was one day, uh, I don't know, I was doing something. And Debbie was seeing something on some video of him that was taken, I think, just a few weeks after he was shot. Because you remember, he recovered, and he wasn't, I guess the bullet missed some of the vitals and so forth, and he, he got back and was president and finished out his term. He, was, he did fine. But um, it was just a few weeks later, Debbie showed me this video, Pastor Debbie, and uh, I thought, this is such a good illustration. It helps me along this line, at least. Yeah. He was just a few weeks later in a, you know, big arena somewhere giving a speech a whole bunch of people there and and while he's they got the camera on him and while he's giving the speech a balloon popped and you know a balloon popping sounds a little like a gun maybe not quite as loud but and, and so that balloon popped and they had the camera pretty close up on him and and he just he heard the balloon pop he never flinched he never ducked he didn't have an emotional reaction he just, without any change of the expression on his face whatsoever, he just looked and he said, missed me. It wasn't a gun, but he was just, he was just, yeah. I, I saw that and I, I watched it a couple times, did it again, and I, I looked at his face. He did not flinch. He was not, in other words, here's what I'm saying. The past did not affect him that day. His past was not controlling his present. Fear wasn't controlling his present. Are you with me this, this evening? The, the thing that had happened, you, you could imagine, you could almost forgive somebody that had that, had that experience. If they heard a balloon, you almost forgive them for going like that. But he was so free from that. You got to hear that. So free from that that nothing of the past was affecting his present. I like that. Glory to God. 
You, you might have had some things happen, and you might be a part of a church of believers fellowshipping around the things of God for years, and then eventually you tell your testimony of what you've been through, and people go, ah, I would have never known it. <laughs> Why? Because it's not affecting your present. That's a good testimony. When you're that free, it's as if it didn't happen. Oh, that makes the devil so mad. Because not only did he want to bind you in that sin of the past, he wanted that thing to affect you for the rest of your life. To where the rest of your life, you're, 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 you're backwards and doing without and telling God, I'm not worthy of your blessings. And No, he, but that's not going to work through the word, the truth of righteousness. Praise God. I don't know how you can sit there and listen to that without shouting a little bit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, um, one translate, well, no, excuse me, it's not a translation. It's a, uh, it's a uh, commentary. You realize a commentary is not the Bible. It's a commentary on the Bible. Um, but one translation, I keep saying translation, the commentary of Hebrews 9 where it says the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of heifer sprinkling them clean, sanctified to the purifying of flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God purge your conscience? Purge your conscience. The blood of Jesus purges our conscience from our past and our sins. In other words, there's to be no consciousness of it. You don't understand? No, no, no reaction. When the, when the enemy comes and tries to play that video. So one commentary that's that's the the king james version but one commentary says another way of saying purge your conscience means the blood of jesus purges the replay of the mind listen to that the replay of the mind remember i started talking about the the, the devil's video camera and how he wants to keep sending listen he wants to keep playing your past to you on loop you know what i mean by loop as soon as it's done playing he it's going to start again it's going to start. He wants to keep doing that to us. And he wants to hold us in the consciousness of our past through, through constantly reminding us of it. Well, if you get a hold of this truth, you hear me? The next time the devil pushes play, nothing's going to play. It's going to, it's going to, clean, it's going to erase that video. <laughs> God wants you not only to be forgiven, he wants, he, he wants you to be free from the hounding, you know, remembrance of those things. I'm so thankful for the Word of God that does that. Because I don't know about you, I had some things to forget. <laughs> Amen. Some of us clean up nice in church, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, praise God for the blood, right? And so um, uh, the mistakes of your past and so forth don't have to uh, oppress you today. Remember again, Isaiah 54, uh, <clears throat> he talks about being established in righteousness and you'll be free from oppression. The oppression he's talking about there is the hounding remembrance of it. Yes. Praise God for the blood. The hounding voice of your past, uh, the accusing voice of the enemy can be defeated. There is no accusing voice in the righteousness of God. No accusing voice. 
Praise the Lord. Now look at another passage in Isaiah 54. We won't go much longer here. Praise the Lord for freedom. There are people, you, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you where, Isaiah 50, uh, excuse me, Isaiah 32. Um, there are people who, um, there are people who, <clears throat> who live with this their whole life. And they think it's normal. In other words, they live with, you know, just the hounding oppression, sort of a cloud over themselves. <clears throat> they go into their prayer closet and it's just, um, you know, just, a, just like a vault. And this is something that needs to be examined as, as to whether this is the issue or not. All right, Isaiah 32, if you found that, it says here, the work of righteousness shall be peace. Say that, the work of righteousness shall be peace. Then notice, the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. So righteousness, and especially being established in the truth of it through the renewing of the mind, <clears throat> the righteousness of God, when you, when you get, get your mind renewed to it, it has an effect on you. I wanted you to see that. It has an effect on you. Now, let me say something to you. You will, because I think maybe this will help us understand what we're going to finish up with here. You, you will never be more righteous than the day you were born again. No, no Christian becomes more righteous the more they walk with God. You might grow in the knowledge of your righteousness, but you don't grow in righteousness. How could you? When you were born again, you were made the righteousness of. How could you? How could you become more than that? Right. You don't become more righteous. Now you can you can live out. You can take better advantage of the benefits of it through the knowledge of your righteousness. Um, you can. You can uh, become more aware of your righteousness. Yes. Like, for example, Romans 1, 16, 17 talks about the, uh, uh, the, the gospel, the power of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God. That therein, now notice this word, therein is the righteousness of God revealed, revealed from faith to faith. The righteousness. I'm not, I'm not going to go much longer. I know we're, we're about done here tonight. But the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. You don't become more righteous from faith to faith, but you get more revelation of your righteousness from faith to faith. You can have a greater revelation of it. And when I say revelation, I'm talking about something that makes you more aware of it. You ever watched, uh, you know, the military or Apple computer or somebody uh, have an unveiling ceremony where they come out with a new product or the military, a new plane or something, and they'll unveil it. They'll have an unveiling ceremony. Well, nobody, nobody knew much about it until it was unveiled, right? That's what Revelation does. It unveils something. Right. Listen to me. It unveils something that's already there. Yes. Yes. When they pulled that when they pulled that cloak, let's say it's an aircraft in the military. When they pulled that, that cloak off of that airplane, that's not the day that airplane came into existence. No, exactly. That's the day you and I saw it. It was there before that. Same thing with the righteousness of God. It's, it's there in the life of every believer. 
but not every believer has a revelation of it. And when, when, whenever, I, whenever the veil is pulled off, that's what revelation is. It's to pull the veil off of something and uncloak it so it's easily seen. That's revelation knowledge. And the revelation knowledge of God's righteousness is what we're talking about tonight. And, and uh, th th that revelation enables you to know more about it. And therefore take advantage of the privileges. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you can, you can uh, be, revelation makes you more aware of something. And the more aware of it you are, the more you can take advantage of it. Like, let me illustrate about this. <clears throat> um, I've had tools before that I needed to use, something in the house I needed to do, and I knew which tool I needed and so forth. So I went out to the garage, and I couldn't find that tool. And I just, and so, you know, you, go, it, you look for a half hour and, hour, and then, so you go back into the kitchen, and you grab one of your wife's uh, knives out of the knives drawer, and you ruin it for her, you know, trying to do what you need, because the tool you're supposed to use, you don't have that tool. You can laugh at my illustrations. They are funny. I'm kidding. <laughs> but so, so uh, when you aren't aware, that doesn't mean that tool's not out in the garage. It's just that you, you, you weren't aware of where it was. Right? So you're doing it the hard way. That's the way righteousness. You can have something, but you're not aware of it. So you're, you're getting beat up. You're having a hard time because you're not aware of who you really are. The devil doesn't fight righteousness. He fights people being aware of it. You look all through the scripture. Spiritual battles and warfare are over revelation knowledge. That's what he's fighting in the life of the believer. And that's why Spirit of Faith Family Church is coming to Kansas City. To pull the wraps. To pull the wraps off of the devil. Pull the wraps off of what the word really says. So that we can see. Listen, I'll tell you what, what Spirit of Faith Kansas City is about. Is pull the wraps off of believers so they can see who they really are. So they can look in the word of God and say, I see, I see, I see. And then when people see, the devil's heyday is over. Yes. I said, the devil's heyday is over. The, the Bible, I'm holding up my iPad because I got my Bible on my iPad. But uh, the Bible is God's family photo, especially the epistles of the New Testament. They're God's family photo album. And you can look at the word of God and see, oh, I see myself. Somebody said it reveals Jesus. Yeah, it reveals Jesus in you. <laughs> You're in him and he's in you. Do you know you have a joint account with Jesus and everything he got at the resurrection? If Jesus has it today, you have it today. Listen, you have an equal standing before God today as Jesus himself. Ah! Jesus prayed in John 17. Show them that you love them just as much as you love me. Hallelujah. Everything Jesus got, all, all he got in the resurrection, we were joined with him. We are one with him. We are in Christ. Whoa, glory. Praise the Lord. So this is God's family photo album. We see, we see Jesus and we see the whole family just looking in the epistles of the New Testament. You know, if you, uh, you ever been, to a, been home for Thanksgiving or something like that and you go to the family reunion and they say, well, we haven't been together for a long time. Let's take a family picture. So we all get in the, and we all say, and guess what? When they send the picture to your phone or whatever so that you can see the picture, who do you look for first? Jesus. 
you vain person, you. What do you think you're doing? <laughs> no, we all do that. We all look for ourselves first. We'll do that with the word. Look for yourself. You're all through the epistles of the New Testament. Look for yourself in there. The Bible calls this a mirror. I, I, pushed, I pushed my iPad and my wife came up. That's not... I know, isn't she good looking? But when I, when I, uh, when I, I'm going home with her tonight. So, but when I see, when I see, when I look into the word of God, the Bible calls this a mirror. You ever read those verses? Looking as a mirror into the word or changed into the same image. When I see the, when I see the the word of God, that's me looking in the mirror of God's word. Um, You can go to places that have, uh, that have a distorted mirror. Uh, they, what they preach doesn't show you who you really are. It's man's opinion. I remember being at the fair one time. Anybody have ever gone to the county fair? Um, and you can, you know, all kinds of think, challenges and things you can do. Um, things that you can eat. And, uh, but... I remember being at a county fair one time, and they had this mirror. You could, you could stand in front of this mirror, and it was a distorted mirror. And you look at the mirror, and, and you look at yourself in the mirror, and you look like you're three feet wide and four feet tall. <laughs> or something like that. Anybody ever done anything like that? Yeah. Uh, that's what going to religious churches is like. You're not seeing yourself in reality. You're seeing a distorted image. I want to see myself just like the Bible says I am. I guard my heart and mind. I guard who I listen to. I guard who, who, who I let speak into my life. Because if they don't know who they are, how can they tell them, how can they tell me who I am? Well, did you get anything out of the Word tonight? We didn't get it all out, but there's a lot, a lot that we did get out. This will change what you, the way you talk. This will change the way you pray. It'll change the way you go into the presence of God. It'll change the way you address demons and sickness and, 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 and attacks. It'll change the way you live in your mind. It'll change. You won't be mentally oppressed. This righteousness I'm talking about, this knowledge of this righteousness, it'll just change a whole lot of things. Praise the Lord. A lot of times going before God in prayer, you don't only need to go or, or you need to take more than just scriptures about what you need in prayer, like if you need healing or something. You need to not only take scriptures of healing, but you need to take scriptures of your righteousness. Because think about Revelation 12 there. I'm, I'm having a good time tonight. You're going to have to help me quit because I'm, I'm, I'm wrapping this up. Revelation 12 talks about the, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, accuses us, notice, before our God. Yes. When we, so notice the way that's said. When we go before God, the devil comes too. Why? To try to accuse us and strip us of our faith to receive from God. Amen? But when you know who you are based on the truth of God's word, that don't work no more. It'll change the way you approach God. You'll take, you'll take righteousness scriptures and you'll answer those accusations and say, that's under the blood. Amen. Stand up with me, if you will. Hallelujah. 
I did it myself. I preached myself happy. I preached myself happy. God has something better for you to look at your whole life than your past. Amen. He's offering you to look at him. Look at, look at yourself in him. Look at yourself through the blood. Hallelujah. You know, it's just a human way of saying it, but I heard somebody say one time, God has, God wears glasses. And he said, they're stained red with the blood of Jesus. That's all he sees. When he sees you, all he sees is the blood. He sees you. In other words, he sees you through the blood. Wow. Glory be to God. That blood is there on the mercy seat in heaven talking to God. That's what the Bible says. It's there. It's talking to God. It says it has it, the blood of Jesus uh, has a better, uh, a, has something better to say than the blood of Abel's. You ever read that? Hebrews 12 has something better to say. The blood of Abel kept speaking of an injustice being done, uh, of guilt, of somebody doing him wrong, and that a punishment needed to be paid. Jesus' blood speaks of our innocence, our cleansing, our righteousness, and our worthiness to come and receive. And get this, not only are you worthy to come and receive, but you're worthy to have what you come asking for. Not only are you accepted in the presence of God, your prayer, your request is accepted in the presence of God. Amen. I mean, if it's in line with the truth of the word. Praise the Lord. I don't know about you. I'm going to keep digging around in this. This will change your life. It'll change the way you sit in your car. Rather than sit there like this, you'll go. (laughs) It'll square your shoulders. It'll put your head up. Hey, it doesn't matter what somebody else thinks about you. What does God think about you? He knows if God says one thing and somebody else says something else, I got, a, I got a, uh, something to encourage you with. Listen to God. Yes. God knows. He knows you. He knows. Amen. Amen. Father, we lift our hands tonight. We soak in the truths of what we heard. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, for, for the, the blood that cleanses us from the past. We say it's true. It's true. We are who you said we are. We have what you said we have. We're grateful for it. We have a standing that you said we have. We stand before you without guilt and shame. Hallelujah. Somebody said, what if I did miss it? Then 1 John 1, 9. Amen. Cleanses us, acknowledging it, and it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father. We're rejoicing in the truth tonight. We accept it. We, we take it in like, like, uh, like a dry ground takes in water. We're grateful, Father. In Jesus' name. And I say to every lying thing that lies to the people, I say you're bound. I take authority over you. Father, we take the word and answer those things. And we take the blood and we say the blood has made us worthy. We answer you, Satan. You're under our feet. You have no authority to rule and reign over us. In Jesus' name. We give you praise for it, Father. Everyone that agreed said amen.